Welcome to Attached, a podcast about the loved ones we're attached to and the good, the bad, and the ugly advice about those relationships that maybe we shouldn't be so attached to. We here at Attached want to share ways to help your relationships and also enhance them and debunk all that bad relationship advice using science. I'm Dr. Patricia Robertson out of the University of Tennessee. I'm Dr. Sarah Woods at UT Southwestern Medical Center. And I'm Dr. Sessa Nagash from San Diego State University. This week, Sessa is bringing us some new science on the impact of personal and family perfectionism on psychological fu- uh, functioning among youth in the U.S. that identify as Latinx or Asian. The article we are featuring today is published in the Journal of Cultural Diversity and Ethnic Minority Psychology and authored by Joey Fung, Gracie Kay, and Kenneth Wang out of the Department of Clinical Psychology in the School of Psychology and Marriage and Family Therapy at Fuller Theological Seminary. But before we get into it, if you have a new research question on relationships that you want us to talk about, send it to us. Email us at attachedpodcast at gmail.com. Tweet us, Facebook us, Instagram us, all at attachedpodcast, or go straight to the source at attachedpodcast.com and send us a message. If you would like to support this little pod and help us get relationship science out into the world, please go to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash attached and donate. As always, wherever you listen to the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to it. All right, are you guys ready for this episode? A resounding yes. Let's get into it. Most of us are familiar with the term perfectionism. However, I'm not sure we are familiar with the scientific understanding of, of the concept and its implications on individuals and relationships. Perfectionism is often described as having high achievement standards and being overly critical of oneself when the standards are not met. Most studies focus on the role of perfectionism at the individual level, so personal perfectionism, But what about family perfectionism? While we may not be familiar with the term, some of us have felt sense of it. Some communities in particular may experience it more readily. Family expectations tend to play a considerable role in shaping the lives of underrepresented youths of color. Thus, expectations from families and how families respond to their children's perceived failures family perfectionism, deserves careful evaluation. Joe Fung, Gracie Kay, and Kenneth Wang recently published a new article titled Personal and Family Protectionism Among Asian and Latinx Youth in Cultural Diversity and Ethnic Minority Psychology. Sesson, tell us all about it and make as many mistakes as you want. There are a couple of tongue twisters, so I might. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Okay. So um, let's, once again, um, I know PR, you described perfectionism, but just wanted to highlight um, the definition again. So it's a psychological construct and personality trait commonly characterized as having high achievement standards and being overly critical of oneself when those standards are not met. I think we've all on this podcast had a little um, bit of a, a relationship with perfectionism. Mm. Some more a than re- others, perhaps. Can I say I'm a recovering perfectionist? But I think that also might be a lie. I I, I don't know that I'm on that path. <laughs> <laughs> um, so 
this article talks about it in the context of the adolescent journey. Um, and as we know, um, adolescence is a critical developmental phase due to the social, cognitive, and identity changes that take place during that uh, during the adolescent years. Youths at this um, time in their lives around you know, early 12, 13, start to plan their future, develop their individuality and increase their striving for independence um, while also still often depending on their families um, who also drive, you know, some of those expectations um, that, you know, some youth in particular are very attached to in terms of really feeling the desire, um, the the pressure to really meet those expectations. And um, as you said before, PR, perfectionism is typically studied at the individual level, despite it often being really engendered in the context of relationships, particularly with care um, from caregivers. So I'm glad to see more research, such as the one conducted in this article we're going to discuss today, because it takes a more systemic relational approach to examining perfectionism. And previous perfectionism studies mostly focus on the separate effects of personal and family perfectionism. Um, this study, I think, is unique in that it contributes to the literature by examining the combined or interaction effects of personal and family perfectionism. So I find it particularly well-timed given the growing focus in our culture um, around adolescent mental health um, and also recognizing some of the interpersonal influences um, around that, particularly when uh, talking about family of origin. So let's um, take a bit of a, a dive into this. So the article highlights um, what has previously been defined, still in this article is also defined as perfectionism. Um, so perfectionism has um, a couple of different constructs. So when we talk about it in this article, it talks about in the context of adapt adaptive perfectionism, which are having high standards um, and low discrepancy. And so standards are sort of defined as um, the expectation either you have for yourself or if it's family standards, it's the expectation the family has for the for the adolescent. And then the discrepancy that we'll refer to is in reference to um, like the not doing your best seems or doing my best never seems to be good enough or doing my best never seems to be good enough for my family, right? So really, um, and then you have a maladaptive perfectionism, which is having high achievement standards and high levels of discrepancy. So you tend to be more critical of yourself um, and become uh, grow feelings of maybe hopelessness, um, self-contempt or criticism when you feel like you're falling below whatever expectation you set. Um, in other words, you're overly critical when the standards you set for yourself are not met. And if it's the family, it's when the family, um, when the standards set by your family for you are not met and, and they become either critical of it or, um, yeah. So we also have non-perfectionism, which is defined in this um, article as having low standards and low discrepancy. So we're going to be talking about in the context here again of individual perfectionism and then family perfectionism. Um, and so there's family standards and family discrepancy, mm -hmm. individual standards and individual discrepancy. Um, 
and once again, family standards is the perceived high expectation from one's family. And that family discrepancy is the perception of not meeting those standards that are set by the family. So in this study, there were 1,078 um, uh, high school students from um, ethnically diverse communities, um, particularly to um, 707 um, individuals who identified as being Asian, um, 371 um, youth who identifies as being Latinx. And they were between the ages of 12 to 17. Um, and most of the students um, were um, um, either bilingual or trilingual. 79.2% um, were identified as speaking a second language other than English, um, with the top three language, um, languages identified being Cantonese, Mandarin, Spanish, or Vietnamese. And half of the participants, about half, were male, 51.8%. And um, 48% um, about were female. And so when it comes to looking at what the outcome variables in the study were, we they identified self-compassion, self-coldness, and internalizing problems, um, as well as externalizing problems. Um, and, you know, I think self-compassion was um, um, assessed according to three different, so the findings in this study, so there was a cluster analysis done and confirmed three types of personal perfectionists and three types of person, uh, perfectionistic families. Um, among the surveyed students, the authors found three types of personal perfectionists. There were adaptive perfectionists who equaled about 30% of the sample, maladaptive perfectionists who were equaled about 39% of the sample, and then non-perfectionists non who were about 31% of the sample. Um, they all found three types, also found three types of per, uh, perfectionist families. 30%, um, sorry, 29% um, identified as adaptive perfectionistic families. This is where my tongue gets tied a little bit. Um, I'll say that again. They also found three types of perfectionistic families. Adaptive perfectionistic families equaled about 29%. Um, maladaptive perfectionistic families equaled about 39%. And then non-perfectionist, <laughs> and then about, um, and non-perfectionistic families were about 32% of the sample. So youths were more likely to perceive their families to have the same perfectionistic types uh, type as their own. Adaptive perfectionists were more likely to perceive their families as adaptive perfectionists. Maladaptive perfectionists were more likely to perceive their families as maladaptive perfectionists. And non-perfectionists were more likely to perceive their families as non-perfectionists. Asian students were more likely to describe themselves as maladaptive perfectionists, um, about 43%. and also perceive their families as adaptive perfectionists at about 39.5%. Latinx students were also more likely to characterize themselves as non-perfectionists at 38.8% and their families as adaptive perfectionists at 38.8%. And youth were also highly critical of themselves and their shortcomings um, or their perceived or perceive their families to be overly critical of them when they could not meet their family expectations. 
and reported having the highest levels of anxiety, depression, and disruptive behaviors. In contrast, adaptive perfectionists and youths who reported having adaptive perfectionist families reported low levels of self-criticism, self-coldness, internalizing behaviors, and externalizing behaviors. So a family, yeah, yeah. And a family's healthy expectations and responses to failure help to mitigate the negative effects of a youth's of youth's own maladaptive perfectionistic tendencies. So, for example, among youths who were who were maladaptive perfectionists, those who came from adaptive perfectionist families reported significantly lower levels of internalizing and externalizing behaviors. However, exceedingly high expectations stemming from families were more detrimental compared with standards that the youth set for themselves. And as far as some of the, the limitations of the study, we know that there's more research that's needed to really understand perfectionism in other, oh. um, in other ethnic groups and racial groups, mm -hmm. uh, i.e. Um, among African-American youth and families, I, I would think in particular would be interesting to, to look at more closely and the effects of cultural variables such as like acculturation and self. Yeah, um, first first gen, something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, given the just the amount of pressure that is often placed on them, given the considerable sacrifices that are communicated in story and just, just the sense of having left behind a lot to create new opportunities for their for their children and just the, the opt-in um the loyalties around paying that for mm. paying that back mm -hmm. so i'm curious as to um what the two of you thought about the article and its findings and anything that came up for you yeah so i had i had a, a question which uh, again this sort of wasn't what they were necessarily looking at um but i i was curious about what this looks like in families meaning mm. there is there is something here that they're suggesting as a connection in terms of um, the standards that we set for ourselves and whether we feel like we can meet those, but also the, the standards that our families set for us and whether we feel like we can meet those. But I was sort of curious in families, what does it look like? Um, how is it, how are we conveying to kids that they're falling short of our expectations? Because based on what you're describing, Sassin, and and what I understood of the results, the standards themselves were not necessarily um, problematic, meaning the adaptive perfectionists and the maladaptive perfectionists. And again, I think important to sort of point out, these are the labels that these researchers give them, right? The When we do this kind of um, uh, analysis, the um, it would be really nice if on the back end, the statistics popped up and said, oh, uh, not only have we identified these different groups, but we've given you a very carefully worded title uh, for them, right? They're assigned by the researchers. So maladaptive and adaptive, um, uh, those are terms that these researchers came up with, which may, of course, reflect uh, not only what's been shown in studies before, but might reflect what's going on in the ground. But the standards were not um, not different in terms of what families expected of these kids. They were not very different at all between adaptive and maladaptive um, uh, perfectionist um, kids who are identifying with those traits, but it was the discrepancy piece mm. always. And, and you could see why, right? They're answering those. These are kids who are, are reporting that they're feeling like um, their best never really seems to be good enough for their family. 
and so that discrepancy piece, it really had me curious about what does this look like? How does this translate in families? How do we convey in families that they're just sort of not measuring up? And how can we how how can we soften that maybe in families? If if it truly is maladaptive, how do we soften that discrepancy piece? Because um, that feels like maybe potentially the most the most harmful bit of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting that you bring that up because I was also curious about what this looks like from families, but more of like a, a chicken or an egg type of process because this study is cross-sectional and of course is from the youth's perspective, which I will never say that <laughs> word again uh, without thinking of Schmidt from New Girl. Um, but we don't necessarily know... Uh, if it's the child's personality that starts and then the family kind of yeah. uh, responds to that, or if it is the family um, uh, perspective and uh, opinions that the, then the child responds to. And, and likely yeah. it's a little bit of both, right? It's likely bi-directional yeah. or depending on the type of perfectionism, it could be different, right? The directionality could be different. Um, we are assuming that the family, um, perfectionism is uh, informed by culture, um, because of some of the results that they, um, found, um, but that would be another kind of level of perfectionism mm -hmm. that I would be really curious about how it, mm -hmm. um, how the perceived cultural opinion of per perfectionism, um, was linked to the other two levels of perfectionism yeah. as well. I think it's a great point, Patricia. It's definitely something I kept wondering about is um, how this would look if they had multiple family members reporting from any family mm -hmm. member, right? Because if you're having if you're having these youths suggest yeah. that uh, they are um, uh, they are not only not meeting their own standards, but at the same time they're not meeting their family standards, is that truly reflective necessarily of sort of what goes on in the family, and that's transmitted one way or is it a measure of a, a personality or like a temperament or a sensitivity to feedback mm -hmm. right that um that without multiple family members reporting I, I think it would be very very cool rather mm -hmm. as an extension or next step in this research to sort of think about how parents and siblings would also experience this and whether this sort of clusters within families in the way that maybe these um findings are suggesting they could yeah, I, I, I agree. I definitely was, um, you know, when I, I read the article and, and noticed that the youth were the ones responding, right, reporting on the family, um, I was like, okay, well, that that's information, like in terms of how, what they reported, but it also, I think there's, having also grown up in like a home where there was a lot of, um, there was a lot of assumptions being made on on my end mm -hmm. right of course that there was all of these expectations and when I didn't met them my disappointment I would sort of interpret to mean like others must be disappointed too whether or not mm -hmm. there was anything ever explicitly stated or you know I would interpret things through that lens of like I'm disappointed therefore they must be disappointed too mm -hmm. as opposed to anything that is explicitly said right or done right right show that and I think that that in of itself the way I interpret that I think is interesting because it could also 
impact the relationship, right? Because my own mm -hmm. interpretation of their interpretation yeah. or their perception is, is what yeah. ultimately drives how I feel. Yeah, it's that bi-directional um, piece again. Yeah, yeah. And, and it also might drive how then they respond to you the next time something right. happens mm -hmm. as well because they might respond differently or don't or confused or yeah, very yeah, I yeah, cool. Um, the other thought I I had and just wanted to kind of point out is this is a big sample size. Like that's incredible. Um, mm -hmm. and a lot of their analyses are, are looking at these kind of complicated concepts and bivariates. Um, and so we see a lot of the effects are quite small effects, according to like the eta square, um, effect size with the exception of, um, looking at non-perfectionism, um, and the differential effects across different family types for self-coldness internalizing and externalizing behavior, we do see some medium and large effects. So I think maybe to what you guys were saying earlier, I wonder if like really diving into that non-perfectionism and how that maps on or doesn't map on to the family's perception is um, really where maybe to target future interventions or mm -hmm. future studies and understanding, because that's where we're seeing most of these large effects across these psychological distress measures. I'm curious. I'm curious to learn if there's more studies like this done. And I think this this really impacts quite a large number of people. I mean, it's, and I, and I think about <clears throat> when we talk about standards, I think like the way we grow up to understand that the importance of like, it's important to have standards. It's important to set like sure. standards for yourself, for your children. But I don't know that we understand like what that balance looks like, what looks like, mm -hmm. what's the healthy combination of that. And I think mm -hmm. we start to get at that a little bit, but I don't think as parents, I know as, as, as a parent, but I, I think even in the literature, I don't think it's really clear. How do you do, how do you, how do you engage in that? in that experience with children so that you can set mm -hmm. standards, but how then are you to respond when those standards are not met? And like mm -hmm. what the implicit response is versus like that. I, I don't think that yeah. is very clear to us. Well, I think, I think part of what you pointed out too, well, the, the, the researchers, the, that did the studies authors do talk about, for example, like self-compassion and self-criticism as potentially being orthogonal constructs, meaning that they are maybe related, but sort of different. They're sort of at 90 degrees from each other, uh, mm -hmm. that they are, it's, you're, it's possible to have both, right? And so that's why, what had me curious about the discrepancy piece too, if that's sort of one, um, if that's sort of related to how we feel critical uh, or they use cold, uh, self-coldness um, as as how they talked about that uh, towards ourselves. Um, it's possible to to feel like I can't achieve in this area or I'm not I'm not doing very well lately or I'm, I'm sort of not meeting my ideals or my family's ideals, but also to have grace and self-compassion for yourself to be to be patient, to feel like I'm not where I am right now, but I yeah. do feel like that's maybe, true of lots of people at this stage of development, right? And, and I'm not suggesting that young people, that kids talk like that to themselves, but but we probably as as parents, as families can suggest that to kids that like, you may not be where you wanna be now. Um, 
and it takes a lot of practice to yes. learn a new instrument, to learn math. Like this is part of the process of developing it. To kick a soccer ball. It's, it's hard. Um, and also you will be capable. We want to give you time. This is part of it. The struggle is sort of part of it. Right. And yeah. so that I do sort of wonder if those are not, um, if those are orthogonal concepts, if we can sort of hold both, if that's maybe uh, as a place, one place where families can intervene, that even if we're sort of not where we want to be, that's mm. also okay. Yes. Oh, wow. I feel like um, this article has made me become a better parent. We'll see if I execute it well. Uh, maybe. We'll see. You're going to cite it in your personal life. Uh, yeah, I'm going to cite it. I'm going to be like, listen, baby two-year-old. No, it'd probably be more my 10-year-old. I just read this article. I want you to read it real quick. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not doing that. We're going to be um, super adaptive. We're only adaptive here. We're only, only adaptive. adaptive. We can be also adaptive perfectionists to ourselves as parents. Look at just the generalizability goes ever, everywhere. Sesson, what are some good takeaways for us? Well, real quick, before I get to the takeaways, I also just want to add that I, I think there's some other things that came up for me as I was reading this, like some other factors that I think we, uh, you know, the authors of this or whoever does this body of research should consider is also looking at how effort plays a part in some of this, how resources play a part. Like I think when we're mm, talking resources. about standards, yeah. we're often talking about the outcome, right? Like, did I achieve or did I not achieve this thing? But I think what might contribute to discrepancy is like the effort that these families feel like the person, the, the, the youth is put into whatever they're doing, right? Mm. There's a difference in terms of, I think, the depth discrepancy when you see your child really trying and still not achieving that outcome versus not at all trying or being really, you know, uh, disregarding something and then having that. So I'd be curious to see if that was something to control for. Um, and then the resources piece, because I, I do think when you have an expectation, but you don't have the resources, they're the means, right, to achieve that. I think that is something to account for in terms of whether or not how you react to that outcome being achieved or not. You know what I mean? Yeah, that totally makes sense. Yeah. So as far as um, <clears throat> takeaways, I mean, I think something clearly that I walk away with um, that I think we all sort of took from this is that with regards to maladaptive perfectionism, i.e. Ha um, having high achievement standards and being overly critical when those standards are not met, it can be detrimental to one's personal health and well-being, right? So there is evidence to show like that that, that is in not just that, that there is consequences to that sort of way of self-engagement. Um, as also when it comes to families, perceived high expectations for families can um, exacerbate, right? Um, any detrimental effects associated with the youth already having high standards for themselves. So it, that family piece is really important. It's one thing to have high standards for yourself and be sort of let down um, having a sense that you let yourself down being, but to have the family sort of reinforce that, um, or having a perceived sense of that is even more challenging in terms of how it affects one. So I, I think families have the ability to really help act as a buffer here. When you have a child who leans on the side, maybe of being really critical of themselves, having really high standards, it's, 
you know, there's something you can do as a parent, as a caregiver to help really mitigate some of that, um, some of that tension that they hold around their performance and, and what that all means to them. So I think um, for those parents out there who have kids who are very self-driven, very self-critical, you know, all of those things, there's a role that they, they can play in helping reduce some of that, um, the implications of that potentially. On the child well-being. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Thank you for listening to Attached. If you are interested, a link to this study is in the show notes. As always, your reviews, ratings help more people find us. So please consider to rate and review Attached on your favorite app. Finally, if you have any relationship questions you want us to talk about, email us at attachedpodcast at gmail.com or get at us on all the socials at all at Attached Podcast. We cannot wait to talk about it.